Me, 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 me. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Notorious Women Podcast, guys. I'm Lavetta. I'm Miriam. And this is Notorious Women Podcast, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. That's right. How you doing, darling? I'm good. Hanging in. Hanging in. Hanging in there? Yeah. Yeah. I am excited to tell you about my lady today. I'm so excited. Um, But um, but first, Mm -hmm. I interrupted you. You were about to tell me about life. You're hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. And I've learned, like, I I teach a lot of, like, breathing. Mm -hmm. And so I've had, like, lately it's been like, oh, that does, that does work. So, like, PSA, you're welcome. Um, Take a (laughs) breath in and a breath out. It will problem solve. It really will. (laughs) Yep. You know, they do say breathing, drinking water, and getting rest are the keys to life. Meanwhile, I'm holding my breath. I'm drinking coffee, and I'm staying up till one. So I don't know what's wrong. I don't really know. Like, there's there's no answer. (laughs) It seems so simple, but there's so much going on and you're a mom so i have no excuse like i don't even have a a furry child (laughs) like i don't have a kitty cat i don't have a doggy you know know what though like wherever you go there you are and i think that that works for life too it's not like i didn't have stress before children i super did (laughs) do you know what i mean it's just just different you know yeah it's adulting's hard. Adulting's yeah, hard. So and it and it don't stop. It, it don't, don't stop. stop. That's the thing. It don't stop. Nope. But we because have when each you're other. a kid, yeah. <laughs> when you're when you're a kid, you're like, oh, school is so long. But you're like, oh, I have the summer. Mm-hmm. Where I get to sleep in. I get yep. to relax. Mm-hmm. Adults don't have no summer. No. And now for winter break, if you're in America, you get three weeks off of school. Three weeks. <laughs> Three did you weeks. know that? It's three no, weeks. No, I did not. I, honestly, it's three weeks in a day just to just to nail the coffin in. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, are you sick of your kids? One more day. One more day. One more day. One more Sounds day. <laughs> All right. Let's get All started. Right. Let's get started. I believe I am first this week. And yes, I, I uh, for those of you who are new to our podcast, the way it works, uh, we're probably going to do this for a couple episodes uh, yeah. Just in the beginning to remind you. So every week, Mira and I come to the podcast with a, a notorious woman. Some are yep, good, yep. some are bad, some are awesome. Yeah. Um, and we tell each other. Now, we don't know what which lady nope. either one of us has. I we come tell terrified. each other yes. <laughs> a story about <laughs> a notorious woman. So this week, I'm first. And again... I like a murderess. Lord. I like a killer, killer, killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like a woman who stabs, stabs, stabs. Uh, so my notorious woman this week is uh, one of my favorite murderesses is Hannah Mary Tabs. Can I just say one thing real quick? Yes. I love that you have a list of favorite <laughs> murderesses. That is amazing to me. Okay, well, my favorite, that's all I have to say. <laughs> she's probably she's probably my favorite murderess, but my favorite serial killer in general is H.H. Oh. H. Holmes. Okay, but he, so do you have like a, a list on your oh, yeah. wall? Of, okay, oh, yeah. duh. <laughs> Why did and I it's, ask? It's not because 
obviously I don't condone murder, even though some motherfuckers need to be killed. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's just keep it real. It's an untrue, right? I mean. Because <laughs> on this podcast, we believe that the Holocaust happened. It did. And yeah, Nazis no. are bad. Mm, we still believe bad. Nazis are bad. We still believe Nazis <clears throat> are bad. And um, I would have killed baby Hitler. I'm, I'm just going to yeah. say it. Also, just, just while it. we're while we're at it in Excuse the me. modern day, Kutsi Kutsi, uh, slavery was wrong. Yes. The whole time. I believe in killing slave owners. I'm just, mm-hmm. as you a know? black woman, Fair. I have that right. Yep. You know. I'm Jewish. So, Kill the Nazis. You know. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. despite what's going on in the world, uh, most sane people still believe that Nazi equals bad. Not Germans. Yes. But Nazis. No. In fact, Germany is killing it. Like Germany's killing they're it. They're rocking it out. Let us learn. Okay. Because uh, Germany's like, we don't know nothing about those people. Mm, that ain't us no more. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. We are, once again. <laughs> so Nazis in America, are bad. we're like, was slavery all that bad? Yes. Right? Exactly. It was. Yes. It was bad. It's bad. So right. I... Um, yeah, so my lady this week is Hannah Mary Tabs, uh, and she. Let me tell you a little bit about Hannah Mary Tabs, Miriam. I'm uh, so excited. So, Hannah Mary Tabs was born Hannah Smith, uh, Hannah Ann Smith, in the 1850s in Arundel County, Maryland. Okay. It was um, a notoriously brutal slave state. Yeah. And obviously, if she was born in the 1850s, she was born in bondage, and yeah. She came of age of womanhood during the Civil War. So, oh, God, 1850. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so Civil War breaks out in 1861 in the United States and lasts to 1864. I'm sorry, 1865, excuse me. Uh, I lasted four years, about four years. So, now, about a decade after the end of the Civil War, so we're in the antebellum period, Reconstruction. She moved to Baltimore along with what people called her, quote, mulatto niece. Now, mulatto's okay. a bad word, people. <laughs> oh, my God. Did I ever tell you my mulatto story? I hate no. saying that word. Okay. It's a bad word. And we will so, tell you why. Go ahead. So it's a bad word. And I it's thought. It's a bad word. I thought we all knew that. This was back in the day. Back in the day when, like, little white girl Miriam was like, we all get along now. <laughs> Let's make fun along. of that one racist guy. But other than that, we're fine. So innocent me is sitting. I don't remember. Like I was waiting for someone and this older woman and I was sitting next to my husband and my husband and I are super cute. I'll just say it. We're adorable. They are. And so they we are. were like joking around and she was like, you two are so cute. And it was right after Christmas. So she was like, what do you do for Christmas? And we're like, oh, well, we go to his house because i'm jewish so we don't have to worry about my side because hanukkah ain't not that big of a deal it's not it's just not it's fine thank you for saying happy hanukkah but like you don't have to anyways i will always say it thank you lavetta (laughs) but like christmas is better i'll just it's fine (laughs) (laughs) i mean come on we can lose (laughs) you're gonna lose your jewish card i'm just saying That's I mean, great. Even I know that. Come on. Listen, a lot of Jews agree with me. Okay. Christmas is like Mary. <laughs> Hanukkah's like, remember the war? Here's some candy. All right. So <laughs> if only I weren't telling the truth. You were um, so wrong. 
point, so point is, we, we just like, oh, random, that's what happened. She went, oh, so you're a mixed marriage. And we we're like, well, and, uh, yeah, yeah, you could put yeah, it that religiously. way. Yeah. Religiously. Yeah. She's like, I'm okay with that kind. It's the other kind I don't like. And I was like, okay, and this was, Lavetta, this really was Innocent Miriam times. This was like, I say 15 years ago. And I, wow. you know, Obama was president. So I thought we were good, right? I was wrong. Okay. So I said, what other kind? I knew the answer, but I was like, this woman needs me. So let me pull it out of her and let me try to help her. Because someone's got to, right? So um, so I did. I said, what What do you mean? Well, of course, when a, when an African-American, you know, when they really hit the African-American, yeah, 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 that's yeah. when you know they're With racist. With disdain. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, of, and the, and I, and I further prodded and I further prodded and she's like, well, it's the children I'm worried about. And of course I said, why? Because I, I, right. I'm trying to help here. Right. So I got to pull it out of her. And she goes, well, they're mulatto, mulatta, milata, my lot couldn't remember how to say the very racist term. So what do you do with that? Do you tell her how to say the racist term? Do you, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? Um, it's, it's so funny because whenever someone says something that's like, you know, problematic, it, we, we'd all like to believe that we would be like, no, you know, this is, this is how you say that and be gentle and da da da. But a lot of times it just catches you so off guard that sometimes it's you don't shocking. have. Like, yeah. A like, like, and, and bitch slapping isn't really an option in your time and place, right? Because she's an old lady. Yeah. Like, and it's like, just like. So it yeah. turns out. So here's what I did. I said, well, the word is technically mulatto, but we don't say that anymore. And right. she said, shocked. We don't? No. No. We don't. Uh, and she. Come, come to find out her precious white boy is with a black ah, woman and they have a child, her grandchild. And I'm like, you're calling your grandchild this word? Listen, there it is. Listen, I, I said, I did what I could do. I said, listen, there's only a problem for the child if the child is not accepted by their family. Right. And if their child is, and she did, I will give her this. She looked at me like, really? And I was like. You know why? Because people dumb, girl. Yeah. People dumb. <laughs> there are a lot of dumb people in this world. <laughs> Just dumb. I mean, what? So, like, I hope, like, my heart, like, if she's listening, if she's listening, we have changed her ways. She's not listening. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not. But I, I mean, this, like, that's, that's why I'm always very big on people. Like, it's okay if you thought the wrong thing ever. Yeah, right? yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Because, like, if you are willing to listen, and she kind of did. She was like, oh, I said, is your son, and I, I don't think they were married yet, but, and his woman happy together. Oh, yes, very happy. Great. Well, ha yeah. And the, what, so, and to me, baby. it sounds like there's no problem and they moved across the country because of you. That's what I'm getting. I didn't say those yeah. words to her. So anyways, that's my very long story. I apologize, but I just it's okay. I mean, just so people know, mulatto, we no longer say that word because it means mule. 
Mm-hmm. And it was given to uh, the byproduct mostly of uh, enslaved black women who were raped. Yep. None of this romantic stuff Mm-mm. about None falling of it. in love. Nope. You can't fall in love with somebody who owns you. Yep. Um, you <laughs> so <laughs> who were raped. And Don't know why we have, have to keep saying that, but okay, here we are. Yeah. Mixed race children and mule comes from, I think it's Portuguese or is it Spanish? Uh, Don't quote me on that. But it means mule because a mule is a byproduct of a donkey and a horse. So and they can't reproduce themselves. That is why mulatto is a problematic fucking word. So So and that is why. How dare you? That's why you cannot. um, Yeah. So just so you know, but so back to uh, Hannah Mary Tab. Let's go back to her. So she she moved to Baltimore uh, along with her uh, quote unquote mulatto niece. But a lot of people believe that it's her daughter, actually, okay. which is a byproduct of rape while she was uh, yeah. enslaved. Um, now, while she was in Baltimore, she in 1874, she met and married a man by the name of John Tabbs. He was a Civil War vet and a man 15 years her senior. So he's significantly older oh, than wow. her. Okay. And now this is the Victorian age. So women found respectability in marriage oftentimes if you weren't married um you weren't considered a respectable woman you know uh, which is crazy which is uh, anyway so now around 1875 <laughs> problematic she and her husband yeah so in 1875 she and john and annie um all moved to philadelphia where she worked as a domestic for a lawyer and then for a wealthy farmer um in eddington county a small town outside of the city out of philadelphia now but she john and annie lived in um the seventh ward in philly as a black community in which she uh lived and it was again this is Post Civil War, and even though it's in the in Philadelphia, Philadelphia is one of the most racist, historically racist cities, uh, at least to the black people. Um, and it was a place where I think you, you know, could sense- take their word for it. So yeah, I think that's fair enough. Yeah, it's fair enough. It's 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 accurate. So yeah. now by the end of uh, so even prior to the end of the Civil War, uh, black people even in the North experienced a lot of race racism and. Um, institutionalized racism in where they could live. So this caused a lot of the continuation of poverty, even after the civil war, because we were never given our damn reparations, but that's a whole nother story. Um, yep. And so, um, so it, a, a lot of times it forced black people all together in the poor side of town. Now, apparently in the, yeah. uh, the seventh ward, it was poor, but it was also working class, um, but they were all kind of pushed together. Uh, in this area. Now, in the seventh ward, Hannah was known to be a terrible, terrible person. Really? She, oh, she was known to lie, cheat, and even beat men, women, and children. Like, including. Just, okay. Yeah. Okay. She's just a violent woman, including wow. her husband Whoa. and her neighbors. Oh, what? yeah. What? She's a ter- she was terrorizing these black people. Because you have to keep it in context, because at this time they didn't have black, you know, citizens didn't have a recourse to call the cops because the cops were often brutalizing them as well, which (laughs) some things never change at this. Yeah, I have so many, so many lines. I don't know what to say. 
at that I, and time. And this is in yeah. 1875. So she was doing all of this stuff. And so they didn't really have a recourse. A lot of times these communities had to do social justice within their own communities. But yeah. uh, by all accounts, she was uh, just a terrible human being. Um, you know, a lot of times historically black women sort of um, had to in order to navigate and feel some kind of safety in society, if they didn't have the protection of a husband or family or male family members, they would put on a bravado and like a, that's where the strong black woman trope sort of develops in order to protect themselves to protect from violence. Themselves and their, yeah. and their families too. Yeah. But this is not Mary, uh, Hannah. Hannah no, just no, a think, terrible person. I think she might just be bad. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Now, as terrible as she was known in the the Seventh Ward in Philly Seventh Ward to white people on the outside, she was known as a virtuous, subservient, and upstanding woman. <laughs> she knew how to play. That's what she yeah. knew how to do. <laughs> I just don't know nothing about nothing. <laughs> um, now, now working as a and also this is this is probably something that she learned while being in bondage too, like to survive. Yes, you know when white folks come around, you become subservient because that's what's what's expected. And it's so interesting because prior to the end of the Civil War, black women and black men were considered oh so kind and and um, you know it's also patronizing, like docile, but like you mm, know yeah. um, trustworthy because they were well, slaves. Because yeah. they were slaves. But afterwards, yeah, afterwards it's because they're lazy. They -hmm. can't be trusted. All this stuff. Right. So uh, that's a side note. But now so Hannah worked on the white part of town as a uh, domestic, which that was mostly the only thing open to black women at the time, especially a former enslaved woman. And now while working as a domestic, she met this man by the name of Silas Wakefield Gaines. Okay, Silas. Uh, I'll probably refer to him as Gaines for the rest of this. But Gaines was about 10 years her senior. I mean, her junior. Okay. Oh. So her husband's 15 years her senior. Okay. And Gaines is 10 years her junior. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Hannah okay, was girl. getting it in. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She likes um, him young. She likes him old. He, yeah. She likes a, a variety. Listen, I get it where you can. And apparently not again, this is this is the eighteen eighties. So apparently not only was he she was starting an affair, it wasn't like an affair in the normal sense because apparently her husband knew about it. Oh, what? Huh? Yeah. Re- Gaines is just coming over to the house, staying. Oh, they she's upstairs ready to have sex with you. Oh yeah. thanks. Have a have a lovely day. And John is Off like okay. I, I have a feeling that uh, John didn't really have a say. Uh, I have a feeling that Hannah yeah. uh, probably uh, was like, this is just going gonna to be the way it is. And what you going to do? And he's and like, he nothing, was like, darling. Nothing. I'm going to do nothing. Yes. So Gaines even had clothes at her house. So he's basically living. I, when I say thruple, I'm not really kidding. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So some people say that she had an agreement with John and like, that's what happened. So, but apparently Gaines was also married. So I don't know if he and his wife were still together or she had disappeared or like, you know, a lot of times people just disappeared back then. Um, And, or, you know, 
I know this even with from my own childhood. Sometimes black people just stay married, even though they're not together because it's too expensive to get a divorce. Oh, I know so many people who do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, so technically he's your, you technically you have a husband. What? I've yeah. known you for 10 years. Oh, we got married 20 years ago. Don't worry about it. And Gage <laughs> apparently was about 21 when oh. this happened. So what, what what's about to happen happened. So he was fairly young. So who knows? He may have gotten married at like 15 or 16. Who yeah. knows? Um, now, and now in 1886, her Annie, her niece slash daughter went missing and no one Mm. knew where she went later on. It's believed that she just ran away because Hannah was so terrible to her. Just used to beat her like just terrible, terrible. Yeah. I'm, I could see her running away. That feels right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now about a year after she disappears on February 16th, 1887, a local carpenter on his way to work discovered a headless, limbless, and uh, torso wrapped in paper and labeled "Handle with Care." Oh my God! A pond, yeah, and a pond what? in Bucks County. I'm sorry, nearby. what? Yeah, what did what did you just say? Headless, limbless, torso wrapped in paper. Oh my God! Yeah. I need a minute. Okay. Yeah. So obviously Mm. it was, people were terrified because if you find something like that, you're like, what? So Mm. now Gaines was a lighter skinned man. And so at first people thought it was the, the, the limbless headless torso of a white man. So Uh people freaked out. They're like people killing white men, Uh cutting off the heads. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so and also it's just a terrible gruesome thing so yeah, because it of really, this really is okay yeah because of this like a skill sorry go on i i think i think people back then also was just a little bit more brutal like they just had harder lives and like you know these are people who probably had to kill livestock to eat ring chickens oh, necks like these are like yeah, country that's folk true. yeah that's a good point it, yeah, even unless you were like gentry and, you know, and you had servants, you were doing a lot of this stuff on your own. So I think people's stomach um, was a little bit more, um, they could take a little bit more than we could in, you know, today. Yeah. So I would not be good. Yeah. So, but because they thought this was a white man, they were like, oh, all bulletins out. People were freaking out. And also, it's just a terrible, gruesome thing. Yeah, it's just a terrible, terrible thing. So uh, because of this, police started an investigation and they started asking around the area and they came across um, this train conductor who said that he remembered a tall, dark skinned colored woman. OK. Carrying two packages. OK. Uh, now, at first, they didn't suspect this tall, dark skinned colored woman. They just wanted to talk to her to see if she found anything. Right. <laughs> if, if she saw anything. So um, authorities figured out that that colored woman was a tall woman by the name of Mary Tabs. Mm-hmm. So authorities brought her in for questioning. And also around this time, Gaines' sister, Jane, had reported him missing. But again, okay. they're thinking the torso authorities, because also let me put this in context. Uh, authorities were not talking to black people. They were not going into black neighborhoods and questioning them about anything. Um, they only started talking to um, they were talking mostly to the white people at first. And then 
once they kind of figured out that this torso may be Gaines, who was a lighter skinned man, they had already started the investigation. So that's when they started talking to black neighbors. But at first they were only talking to white people. Well, because they're more comfortable that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) so they, they brought in Hannah and by all accounts that she, both she and later uh, her accomplice were, they were, they were beaten. They were brutalized in custody. Oh, shit. Right. And so, but at first they, uh, she, they brought her in and then she, and even when they brought her in, she had a black eye which they think was from the altercation with Gaines. Uh, Yeah. But then after being in police custody, her black eye didn't get any better and it seemed to be a little bit worse. So some people speculated that the police, they probably did roughed her up. I mean, Um, here I am not surprised. Okay. Yeah. Probably that happened. Yeah. So they bring her in for questioning and she, fingers this young man by the name of George Wilson, who was a young mixed race man that knew her niece, that knew Annie. She started singing like a bird. Uh, When when she realized the jig was up and the white folks got involved, she was just like, "Mm, it it was him. He made me do it. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, So they, then they arrested him and then they both went to print. They both went to jail to await trial. Okay. Um, now the trial lasted for months because again, it was already in the papers because they found this headless, limbless uh, torso of a yeah. white man. They thought at first because yeah. obviously it was discolored, but he was also a lighter skinned man. And so it was already a sensation. And then once they started uncovering, oh, the guy was black and, and then this, this colored woman had done it with another man. It was just sensation. People were freaking out out black and white they were freaking the fuck out right i'm freaking the fuck out right now okay go on yeah so it was a sensation they dubbed her the murderess um and the torso case was on the front news of everything so keep in mind black people just being ignored nobody knew what's going on in the seventh ward and then all all of a sudden plastered on the front page Okay. okay now in her initial statement to police, she said that her niece Annie was having an affair with both Gaines and Wilson, but had run away. Uh-huh. So one night, Wilson, the young man George, knocked on her door while Gaines was at home, um, and he said to her that he knew where Annie was, but that she needed money. So Hannah's like, "Oh, I gave him some money. This is to make herself look sympathetic. Mm. I gave him some money and clothes and a hat to give to Annie and bring back to her." But she said she never heard from Wilson, and then she ran into him in a cigar store a few days later and accosted him because she wanted to know where Annie was. Um, and Wilson told um Hannah, "This is all according to Hannah that Annie okay. was not well and could not come back." So, um. She demanded her money back from him because she thought he was stealing from her. Again, okay. she's painting herself in like as the victim. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, so uh, she made up this whole kind of thing. That's initially what she said to the authorities. But again, when authorities were questioning um, Gaines's sister, the murdered guy, Jane Cannon, she again told them that Mary... Uh-huh. Hannah Mary Tabs and uh, Wakefield Gaines, her brother, had been having a salacious affair that was often violent. Oh, she even said that uh, 
in one of those altercations, Hannah sliced Gaines's face. What? Yeah. Oh. Oh, God. But I still think that cops were just like, uh, I think, honestly, I think it was racism. They were just like, Negroes, what do you expect? Right? <laughs> this is what I think. Racism? I hate to say it. I, I know. I hate to say it, but I just feel like there was a lot of like, uh, because I feel like it's it's kind of like talking to a brick wall. Like, you know, obviously Jane had been looking for her brother and couldn't find him. And again, no one at first uh, thought that this torso was a black man and then all this other stuff. So all of this so stuff is coming out have, in the new investigation. Have they confirmed that the body is Gaines? They pretty much suspect once they start putting the clues together, his disappearance, okay. they think it's Gaines even though they never found his head. Okay. I guess but that's apparently, what my question yeah. was. But, oh, God. Okay. Apparently, he had a very um, unique, his shoulders were very uniquely uh, shaped. Okay. So that's how they identified him as uh, the torso. So maybe she didn't realize how unique his shoulders were. Yeah, I mean, you know... I, I don't know what, you know, Hannah's, I would imagine Hannah, um, she sounds like she was a terrible person, but she also sounds like, I don't know how extensive her sexual history was. Maybe, you know, a Gaines was the only other guy she had ever been with or the third guy, you know, because obviously uh, if Annie's her, she probably, and a lot of black women were yeah. violated in, in bondage. So who knows? But this is a man who's younger than her, who's hers. I think she's definitely right. that kind of woman who's like, this is mine, mine, yes. mine, mine. Like the Pelicans <laughs> from, you know, Finding Nemo. Mine, mine, oh, mine. Oh my God, you remember those. Mine, mine, mine. mine, mine. Um, yeah. And so so that is how they they pretty much assume that Gaines was the, the disembodied uh, torso. Okay. Now, so Hannah and George are in custody. And they had two separate trials. George's trial was first. And in that one, Hannah was a, a witness for the prosecution against George. Okay. And yeah. again, she blamed <laughs> everything on him. And she did that thing that um, I love it. I love to call it like gone with the wind fantasy that white people have. Like, mm. I, like white people are like, I never go hungry again with this pleasant Southern accent. And all the black people are like, well, I just don't know. I don't know nothing about burning <laughs> the babies. Mm -mm. right <laughs> so she played into that and yeah, she was just right. like i don't know her. i don't i don't know sir i just don't <laughs> she didn't look at the white people in the eyes oh she was oh, just like playing oh. it up uh, like, i know I, my place i'm scared <laughs> i just don't know nothing this man made me do it this bitch, <laughs> this bitch. I, I want you to play her in the movie of this movie I just don't know. I just don't know, sir. Uh, <laughs> I'm Southern, so I can play that. Oh, oh my God, most crying. Southern accents of TV and film are terrible. We yeah. do not sound like we're from the Civil War. We don't, but despite don't what you guys you might think. I just oh don't my. know, sir. <laughs> I just don't know. Oh, my God. Um, I don't oh know God. nothing about birth and no babies. Um, so, again, she played it up and she testified. Now, she testified on the stand that she and Gaines had been having an affair. So, and also in public, she was apologetic and she tried to be like, I'm so sorry about having this affair. I don't, would, no, this is how they would, this is what they, yeah. the white people would hear. I don't know, sir. I'm sorry about having this affair. <laughs> Lord and Lord, forgive me. Uh -huh. 
But anyway, <laughs> it's not what she said, but that. that's what they heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what they heard. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. they heard. She said in just regular American English. This is probably what she said. But she did. She testified that, yes, she and Gaines have been having an affair. And that on the morning of the 16th in 1887 at her home, she lived on uh, at 1642 Richard Street uh, in Philadelphia in the seventh ward. Uh, so she said that she was at home um, and uh, Gaines was there and George showed up. George Wilson showed up and he he and Gaines got into it about Annie. OK. Now, some speculate that Gaines, her lover, who, again, was around 21. Yeah. Was a little sweet on Annie. Okay. And he was a little jealous of Wilson. Now, George Wilson is about 19. So he and and Gaines are similar in age. And Hannah is 10 years older than them. So, but she, she testified that Haynes, uh, that Gaines and Wilson got into a fight and which ended up. So she testified that Gaines attacked Wilson first. George Wilson okay. first and then okay. but it ended up with George Wilson hitting Gaines on the head with a chair and then continuing to hit him and being like well he came at me first so I got mine this is what she said she 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 characterized him as being aggressive and mm. scary again okay. planning to that stereotype that black yes. men are violent yep and da 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 and, and even she though she just knows nothing about birth and no baby I don't yep. I, exactly <laughs> And now, even though George, again, is young, a lot younger than her, he's also very light skinned. His uh, mother's black and his father's white. Uh, but he was born in the north. So he was born free. Oh, and okay. he didn't have the, that sense of like survival that black people who grew up yeah. probably on plantations had. Like you have to play the game to get along because yeah. these white folks are crazy. Yeah. Um. So and also he's also a kid. He's like 19. He's a, he's I just a kid. think about like. Like now I'm old, so I look back. Like at 19, I was like, I'm a grown up, but yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't. I was wrong. And he is a child. Okay. Yeah. And it sounds like he was just sweet on Annie. Yeah. And some people say he may have been on, he may had a disability, mental disability. Oh. He's just, or he just may have not been that, he just may not have been that uh, quick on the uptake. And she took advantage of it. Yeah. Um, but he sounds like a pretty, like, sweet, just kind of normal kid who had a crush on Annie. Okay. Uh, and he was dealing with this terrible, terrible human being. Yeah. Um, so she goes on to say that after he hit him over the head with the chair, um, he then went down to, he, he dragged the body down to the cellar and then uh, undressed him, chopped him up with the butcher's cleaver, and then came back after 20 minutes. Oh, my God. Really? What you talking about, Hannah? Okay, really? I just I did just all this say, in twenty minutes. Really? So I watch a lot of Top Chef. Okay. <laughs> and there's a lot of butchering. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so when they butcher, even I don't know, like a large chicken. Okay. Yeah. It actually takes like professionals like yeah. twenty five minutes to get it like done. You know. So I feel like maybe not. That's all. That's. I mean. She, he had worked in a butch as a butcher, so she was playing into that. She's very yeah. smart, actually. Hannah's no, very, I mean, very smart. I will say this for her: it seems to me from the get go that she is very, very smart. Yeah, yeah. a lot of anger, but also oh. a lot of intelligence. Yeah. Why? Why would she be angry? No idea. Like, well, yeah, there, <laughs> and also she's angry 
She has a right as a former slave black woman. I'm sure she oh, yeah. went through a lot of shit. But also, Hannah Mary Tabs is a terrible, was a terrible person. <laughs> so she's beating her husband, her neighbors, and her neighbors. Children. I can't even like, I can't even visualize like what the neighbors coming home from a long, and then she just like punches the face. Okay, she's just cool. she's probably she sounds like a big old bully. Just a bully. Yeah, yeah she's um, a bully. Yeah. And now, so she says that he did all this in 20 minutes and then he comes back up and he goes into the kitchen. She's like, what happened? He's like, well, I took care of that. Like just playing into all of, of that. And then she says he tells her to dispose, um, that he would dispose of the head, arms and legs. And then he gave her the torso and told her to dispose of it. (laughs) Okay. So she took it to Bucks County where it was found by the, um, the gentleman walking along that morning, uh, later. So ultimately his trial ended up, he was convicted of second degree murder and was sentenced to 12 years of solitary Mm -hmm. confinement. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Wow. He served about nine and a half years and and was released in uh, 1896. Um, It's later believed that he got married. Really? It's good for him. And then had a series of unskilled labor jobs. So just like regular jobs and nine and a half years of yeah. solitary confinement. Yeah. That's kind of like how the prisons were back then. Like uh, most people just stayed in their cells and, you know, did uh, labor for the prison, but they just kind of stayed in their cells. You my know? God. And then got out and got married. And yeah, later on. I mean, honestly, I'm a little impressed. Um, yeah. And also I'm impressed that he survived because a lot of black yeah. people would not survive prison. Um, no. And also he's again, he goes in when he's about 19 or 20 mm-hmm. and this is traumatic. And by all accounts, again, he wasn't the brightest bulb in the shed. It, and, and it's not known if it's, again, a, a diagnosable kind of thing or he's just a little slow. I mean, you know, yeah. what I mean, like I got him in my family. Ain't nothing. You know, there's nothing you can diagnose him with. They just, nah, they're just not too bright. Like Listen, most Americans. Uh, I will tell you, <laughs> mm, I heard what you said and I did not disagree. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a diagnosis for everything nowadays. Just yeah. to be clear. Yeah. I like so to he, diagnose like quietly and I don't tell anybody, but I'll be like, I know what that person has. <laughs> oh, oh. Here, like you've heart. heard it here first, uh, uh-huh. people. I've diagnosed Miriam. all of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I also think he was just a, I just have a, half a of sweet. Them, just to be clear. <laughs> I know, right? He's just a sweet guy. Just a sweet, yeah. normal, innocent, I would call him. I, do um, you think he did any of it? I think that I'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. So now, Professor Callie Nicole Gross, uh, who's the author of Hannah Mary Tabs and the Disembodied Torso, uh, she's the preeminent expert on this case and Hannah okay. Mary Tabs. She believes essentially that Hannah played the jury. Like I said, she was just like, oh, Lordy, I don't know. So she acted subservient, chaste, and a little dumb. Oh, basically girl. playing into white expectations of a black woman. Yeah. George, on the other hand, perhaps because he was mixed race. And like I said, he didn't play into the, he didn't play the game of the subservient role and, He's just, he came across to the jury as uppity and a tough guy who flaunted his whiteness because he was very pale. He was mixed race. And this was at a time where white people were still trying to figure out who's white. Like, we know that people came on the Mayflower are white and rich people are white, but 
are Irish people white? No, it's are very Jewish true. people white? The, if like, you look at like the history of like white in America, it's really really interesting because now I am white. I'm white. I'm white. I'm white. Right. But I wasn't always. No. I was Jewish, and I couldn't get a job. And maybe I would try to like what the difference between Irish and Italian and Jews is that we could fake it. And yes. if you are a black Asian or uh, you know black or brown, basically, you can't. This is yeah. color you can't. But America, but black people who are yeah. mixed with white, who because of rape of black women, if he comes out, at least at that time. Um, they is like is it just skin color because again racism right. is not real people it's not no, real it's not there's only one race human race it's yeah. not real it's it's literally not like i don't i Levetta, i don't think people know that no they I, don't i really don't and i think it is important like it's totally totally made up like the it's totally and this is why at this time again like we were, we're what we're saying uh is that they're trying to figure out what is white. So they see this this man who's saying that he's black, but he looks white, but he's not acting in what the way they think black people should be. Right. And they're thrown. Yeah. And, they, and they're angry at him yeah. for it. Because yeah. again, by all accounts, he's not the brightest bulb in the shed. Mm. But because he's not doing what she's doing, this is why they can be like, oh, he's uppity and he's uh -huh. quote unquote flaunting his, he flaunted his whiteness. I just love the word uppity, don't you? Yeah, uppity, Isn't that yeah. Really? <laughs> it's racialized. It's not racist. It's racialized language. Mm. Mm. Anyway. So <laughs> because okay. of this, they, they just did a character assassination on George. Yeah. Yeah. And they brought up his time in juvenile detention, a juvenile home. Uh, he worked in a local slaughterhouse. Um, he, you know, he also changed his initial statement. So when they talked to him initially, he he said he admitted he admitted to having a fight with Gaines um, okay. over uh, Annie's whereabouts. But he denied it because initially he just denied everything. And then later on, he changed on the stand, changed his, his testimony. But it sounds to uh, me that's because he was scared and not he was scared. the brightest. Yeah. Yeah. But he said that Hannah cut up the body and gave him packages containing the head, arms and legs that he threw by. Uh, he threw out in a nearby river uh, and that he hadn't seen uh, Hannah until they were brought to the police station. I believe him. Okay. Yeah. Now, also another reason why people why the jury would believe because this jury was all white men, of course, would believe Hannah over George is it. This is before the Lizzie Borden trial, which ha happened in what, 1892. So this is oh, 1887. You know the date of that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I love Lizzie Borden. I mean, who doesn't that? Right. So that happened in like 1892. This is 1887. So even in the Lizzie Borden thing, people did not believe a woman, even a black woman, could chop yeah. up a body. Yeah. Like, that definitely sounds like yeah. something a man would do. No, she got away with it because she was just a little woman. Yeah. Who could do no I'm wrong. I'm a little black woman in a, in a big silver box. That's from Jumping Jack Flash. Um, ah, I remember that scene. I love that scene. <laughs> um now, Hannah, when Hannah's trial came, it was next. So she pleaded uh, to a lesser charge of accessory uh, accessory after the fact. Okay. Which was a maximum of two years. 
Um, but she, so she was sentenced to that, but she was, um, she had been given time served. So she ended up serving a year and a half. Wow. After a year and a half for killing. Girl, you literally got away with murder. She got away with murder. But she got away with murder. What I find interesting, she got away with murder by playing into racial stereotypes. Listen, thanks to racism, she got away with murder. She got away with murder. Usually it doesn't work that way. Usually it doesn't work that way. (laughs) It's the other thing, the opposite of what I just said. It's usually what happened. But poor George, this man got nine and a half, 12 years, like... This is a terrible, terrible Ugh. human being. Now, after she was released, she moved uh, back to Maryland where she, um, and now when she, as soon as she was released, her husband died. So you're like, Did she feel it? <laughs> uh, yes, I'm just going to go with yes. <laughs> no, Callie Nicole yeah. Gross, the, the author said at first she thought the same thing, but then when she looked into it, no, it was just kind of coincided. And he was a lot older than her and he had survived slavery and being a, yeah. uh, in a Civil War vet. Uh, but I think he just secretly died. He's like, mm, yeah. I can't he handle just, this like, woman. He I'm like gonna kill myself it. now. I'm yep. gonna give up the Holy Ghost now, because <laughs> this bitch is gonna kill me sooner or later. So let me I go think- now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think he told his heart. He said, "Listen, heart, now is the time to stop beating." That's no. right, heart. No more. Because <laughs> you know she is definitely the type of woman that will blame everything on him. Yep. And take yep. it out on him. <laughs> Because he probably had been wounded. He just like, who knows what this poor man, this poor man. He's oh like, I just want to, I just want to eat my soup. That's all <laughs> I want. I want to eat my soup. Go to work and have peace and quiet in my house. I survived slavery. Come on, people. You know what? I will say this. It sounds to me like the last year and a half of his life was peaceful. And that's, you yeah. know, good for him. And then he's like, this woman nope. is coming out. So um, now <clears throat> she later, Hannah Mary Tabs later. Also married again. Oh, my God. Of course she did. Somebody check on that man. No, I know. Check and see if he got life insurance. Right. I don't check Mm-mm. on him. Mm-mm. And she became later became a servant as well. Uh, uh, serving uh, what she did before. She was a servant in a, in, uh, for a family. Now, um, though, it's not quite. We still don't quite know what happened that night in 1887 at Mary's house. But um Callie Nicole Gross believes that um, Hannah and Gaines got into a ba- bad argument, one of their many violent arguments. And because yeah. in her previous arguments with him, she had threatened to kill him. So she yeah. made good on the promise, basically. Yeah. Yeah. At least she's honest. Yeah. At least she's honest. And then George showed up asking because, again, he's sweet on Annie. So he's probably trying to help Annie out. Um, and she convinced him either through intimidation and yeah. or just tricking him because, again, he wasn't the brightest bulb in the shed. Um, and she convinced him to help her dismember the body and then to get rid of some of the body parts. Now, again, Callie Nicole Gross, she wrote she writes about Hannah Mary Tabs, quote, Tabs was a kind of black woman that I hadn't encountered before while studying history. She knew how to put up a front when it came to respectability, but she also knew how to manipulate, threaten and brutalize people to get what she wanted, whether it was to be feared or to engage in a risque affair, end quote. Um, it's just, you know, 
And 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 last note that um, Callie had a hard time finding early documentation on Hannah, which is often the case with uh, enslaved people. But because Hannah, um, she filed for John's pension, Civil War widow's pension. Okay. Um, uh, Callie was able to find more information because you know the people will give you that information. Oh. And they're like, oh, can I get his pension? Um, the widow's pension from that. So some some black people were able to get that through the Freedmen's Bureau as well. Um, uh, it took a long, long time, but some of them were eventually able to get a widow's pension like the white uh, wives were of Civil War vets I as mean, well. That is good. Yeah. She is terrible, but that yeah. is good. <laughs> she, I mean, and, and I just, uh, I'm going to wrap up here. Well, one last note is that... Um, what was so interesting, in addition to this case, in addition to the, you know, salaciousness of it, the disembodied torso was that, you know, this was also one of the few and one of the is one of the first times and few times that uh, black sexuality and particularly black female sexuality was brought to the national forefront. You know, because they didn't, they thought of black women as either uh, or black people in general as either 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 overly sexual to, you know, to make excuses for sexually uh, exploiting them or yeah. um, asexual. You yeah. Know? So there's that 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 image of black women and black women in American culture and books and society is either being the mammy or the Jezebel, the Jezebel being the overly sexual woman or the mammy being the asexual, lovable, kind hearted woman. Um, And, you know, one is deemed at least respectable and the other one is not, uh, even though neither one is really protected in uh, U.S. history. And so uh, but that's why Callie was so interested in this case, because Hannah, bitch that she was, was like, I'm getting mine. I'm getting mine. I'm going to have me a boy toy on the side. <laughs> you then, know, I also yeah. want to say rock out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, um, is it, it, it's, I mean, I, I, that she is someone who very much embodies like almost like our point of this podcast as a whole is that you cannot pin any woman in a box. Yeah. Right. And she exemplifies that in a time and place where, man, they loved a box, you know, they loved a box. And I also agree with uh, Gross because we've you know, we've had I understand where respectability politics come from for black people. I get it Uh, because we're trying to counter a narrative about us as being less than and all this other stuff. But I I agree with Gross in that, you know, um, every black person doesn't have to be W.E.B. Du Bois or, you know, uh, Harriet Tubman or Ida B. Wells to warrant historical research, you know. And it to be in our culture and our narrative of a country, right? We have, we have, for lack of a better term, like great murderers, I don't know how else to put it, in our for in our knowledge, right? Yeah. We we I, Dahmer, everybody knows him, right? Yeah. We can add, we can we can throw in the the reality of our history, which is not just that one very bad white guy. Yeah. Um, and and women, women, you know, uh, women. we true equality is that you get equal treatment. <laughs> And Hannah Mary Tabs was a terrible human being. Yeah. But she's my notorious woman. And um, I stand because she's a terrible human being. And 
I hope people found out about her. But and also like the secrecy of it. She could like she was yes. terrorizing her black neighbors, and, and like they could do bitch. nothing about it. They could do nothing about it. Yep. Man. So that's Hannah Mary Tabbs, my notorious she, woman. When I say she is amazing, please yeah. know that I'm not like looking to befriend her. No, <laughs> no, no. I just don't know nothing by nothing. Okay, okay girl. <laughs> Right. I don't know nothing about murder. <laughs> <laughs> What's that word? I've never heard of it. Huh? <laughs> I'm just yeah. dumb with breasts. Um, <laughs> Who's your notorious woman this week? Okay, so my notorious woman is very long, but I'm going to kind of get to the point. It's very different. I'm going back to France. Okay. I am. All right. Marie Antoinette. Oh. Because I was curious about the let them eat cake that is i bake lavetta like since mm. since the pandemic yeah yeah it's it's delicious cake i make it's good so delicious and like mm -hmm. i'm kind of a baker now okay. honestly i bake cookies and i'm like trying to look into cake and then and that's how it came into my head so that's how we got to this place in which i'm going to tell you about marie antoinette okay. um it's it's a little complicated I printed, oh yeah, she's I, you know it's long, but I'm gonna cut. Okay. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get to the juicy stuff because it's juicy stuff. All right. Okay. So Marie Antoinette, uh, she was born Maria Antonia on November second, seventeen fifty five, at the Hofburg Palace in Vienna, um, Austria, and she was the youngest daughter of Empress Maria Theresa, who was the ruler of the Habsburg Empire, and her husband Francis the first. The Holy Roman Empire. So talk oh. about privilege. Yeah. She's privileged of the privilege. <laughs> she's, she is yeah. so white, she's blinding. Okay. <laughs> um, you can't even see her. Okay. So uh, she, she has a sister, Maria Carolina, who's three years older, uh, and they were close. She was uh, close with her mom, but it was a little bit of a difficult relationship. Uh, her mom called her little Madame Antoine. Uh, she grew up at the Hofburg Palace and the Schönbrunn, which is the summer residence where she met Mozart as children. Mm. And they're very close in age. Um, and her school, she, her schooling was not, she didn't do very well in her schooling. Oh. Now, so. the way that this is written, I'm guessing that she had some kind of learning disability because oh. she couldn't, her reading and writing was kind of terrible. Um, they were kind of shocked about, but she was very good in music. She played three different instruments. She had, she would sing for her family at night. She had, you know, all reported that she had a beautiful voice. Um, and then in 1768, Mathieu Jacques de Vermont, because we're in France again. Uh, Show was, off. You know, you know. I'm, I'm probably, like, we? We? That's good. That's Harry? That's all mm, I know. Okay. Well, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You're very beautiful. Okay. Let's move on. Um, You're sweet. Um, I give. Okay. So she, uh, he was dispatched by Louis the 15th. So I see an X and a V and I carefully figure out that two of them next to each other is 15. Okay. Yes. I work, X I is 10. Thank you. V is five. Thank you. 
I do know that much. Thank you for confirming because I kind of asked. That was kind of a question. Okay. I did go to college. Okay. Um, To tutor her because she was going to be the future wife of his son, Louis the 16th. And so he was like, oh, this girl's not smart. We need to, we need to up her tutoring. Um, The tutor, the quote, ready? He says this about her. Her character, her heart are excellent. He found her, quote, more intelligent than has been generally supposed. But since, quote, she is rather lazy and extremely frivolous, she is hard to teach, which I feel like. Uh, I mean, that's a diss. That's like a little harsh. Lazy. I mean, aren't they aristocrats? Aren't you supposed but to be lazy? That's exactly it. I think I think I think she saw, you know, she read the room and said, OK, I'm going to sit here and fan myself like I'm supposed to do. You so know, other people fan her because that is what. Yes, obviously. <laughs> she knew the she knew the job. OK, she's like a pissy. OK, so uh, following the Seven Years War and the diplomatic revolution of 1756, Empress Maria Theresa decided to end hostilities with her longtime enemy, King Louis XV of France, to seal their alliance on February 7th, 1770. Louis XV formally requested the hand of Maria Antonia for his eldest surviving grandson and heir, Louis XV, or Louis XVI. Okay, so she's from Austria. They spoke yes. German then? Uh, Austrian German. Oh God, Austrian German. It's German. I think it's German. It's German. Yeah, but maybe there's like an accent. Yeah, you know, like but it's German. Quebecois versus yeah. You know, I might be making everything I just set up. (laughs) We're not historians. (laughs) Not historians. Obviously, it's probably obvious at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So, by the way, everything is from Wikipedia. Wikipedia loves. Marie Antoinette. Okay. So she renounced her rights to the Habsburg domain and she was married by proxy in Vienna and then met her husband. So in in April and then on May 14th, she met her husband. It says at the edge of the forest of Compen. I don't know why they met at the edge of the forest, but here we are. Um, So then when she arrived in France, she adopted the French version of her name and how we all know her, Marie Antoinette. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. That's why. So she was Maria See. Antonia. Can you imagine, like, I can't. changing your name? European royalty what? rules are so weird. They crazy. And I'm an Anglophile, and I even I think yeah, it's weird. no, like I love the BBC yeah. all day. Yeah. But you guys, calm down. Um. So then they had a ceremonial wedding with the two of them there, and then okay, and then they had the ritual. This is interesting. The ritual bedding. Do you know what the ritual bedding? No, I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> okay, you should be. So it's when they follow you to your bedroom to observe the, this is how I wrote it, the first royal fucking. Because that's what it is. They watch you Ew. have the sex. Like, are they in the room? Or are they peeking through the hole? They're what, what, in what, what they the doing? room, Lavetta. They're in the room. That's so weird. Yeah, I know. Oh, God. I thought, see, I thought they just had sex and then they checked the bed bedding. That's what I thought, too. But you know when you're reading Wikipedia and there's like a highlight? Well, there was yeah. a highlight for ritual bedding. And I was like, I got to know. And I clicked Ew. on it. And that's what happened. Can you imagine? I'm, get out of my room. You know, and they just met. 
right? So and how old was uh, Louis the sixteenth? How old Girl, was I he? don't know. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> can you imagine a poor guy? I guess if you're used to it from like childhood, I guess you get used to doing weird stuff like that in front of servants and people. I mean, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. Like no big deal because they're not they're not really people. They're just furniture. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Furniture to assist you whenever yeah. you need it. Yeah. Yeah. So when people aren't really people, it's easier, is my guess. It reminds but, me of that scene from Bridgerton. I love Bridgerton. I love Bridgerton. Uh, where uh, the queen stands and people were just, there's like five, seven people in the room while she's bathing. So I guess it's something similar, right? <laughs> just like. Yes, I'm remembering that. <laughs> it's like, to you and I, that's horrifying. But to her, it's like, but can you imagine, cleanse like, me. <laughs> can you imagine like Louis and, and Maria like, him being like, uh, 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 <laughs> well, thank my thank lord, you. <laughs> you may want to increase the rhythm. <laughs> Please to enter. I mean, what? <laughs> Ew, so gross. Ew. Okay, creeped well, out. It's it's funny that you say that because they famously had a long time challenge consummating the marriage. So I have a theory. I wonder why. Yeah, yeah. I have a really solid theory. But I'm going to let y'all guess what that theory is. Okay. So the <laughs> initial reaction to the marriage itself was mixed because they loved Louis XVI. They thought he was wonderful. The mm. people loved him. They weren't so comfortable uh, being friends with Austria. And they were like, oh, okay. no, nah, we love to hate you. And now you're here and it's awkward. So I'm sorry, Miriam. Are you saying hmm. that there was white on white violence in what? Europe? <laughs> Are you saying? <laughs> Come on. No. You know, this white on white violence is the real problem. <laughs> I love when we were like black on black violence. I'm like, um, you do realize that England fought a hundred year war with France. A hundred years. <laughs> During the Black Plague. They're like, nope, we're not stopping war. I don't nope. care. Go to there and murder the other white people now. Yes. For a hundred years. A hundred. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. It was over a hundred years, actually, but they called it a hundred year war. Yeah, but I'm no. sorry. Go ahead. All right. Thank you. Thank you for that fun fact. I didn't know that. I mean, yeah. I might have passed it on a test once, but I didn't retain a it. A hundred years, girl. <laughs> Listen, all of European history, all of this it. This is war, war, war. war. Murdering white people, murdering white people. I mean, I have a theory that all that war and blood soaked into the ground is what ruined the crops, and that's why they had to go to Africa. That makes a lot of sense, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, Fuckers. killed the ground. Right. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I mean, go blood's got to go somewhere, right? Uh, all right. Yeah. So, uh, so let's let's learn about a new woman, Madame Duberry. I don't know. It's Dewberry. It's Berry. It's Dewberry. You just showing off. It's Dewberry. Okay. Okay. It's, it's America. It's America, okay. bitches. Dewberry. 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 Like the baby Dewberry. It's all fancy and French sounding. Dewberry. Just like you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you notice how like I southernize it because I can't pronounce yes. it the French way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that's what's American weird? Way. Do you know what's weird is that that's I weird. do that too. It makes no sense. I've barely been to the American South. At one point in my voice and speech class, because back in the day, I took a voice and speech class, and my teacher went, 
oh, are you Southern? And I went, I'm from California. There is no reason I should be talking like this. I don't know. You know and why? she looked at me like, why? And I was like, I can't help you. I don't know. You've been watching Gone with the Weird Eyes. Don't know uh, nothing. <laughs> but nothing. <laughs> if only I had that excuse, but I have only seen the movie but once. I know. I it know. was very long and kind of People racist. think that's, but you think it's all American. <laughs> they think Southern, like bad Southern accent is I, real America. You're like, no. Yeah, I know. No. You're like, I, there's nothing relatable. But no. okay, it's a story. <laughs> it's a story. Thank you for the story. All right. So she proved to be a troublesome foe to the new Dauphin, <laughs> Louis the mm-hmm. Um, So she was his father's mistress. And she... Dubarry. Dubarry. Okay. Um, had a lot of political influence over him. And she was instrumental in ousting Etienne Francois Duc de Chaux. No, I can't, I can't, I can't even say that word. But anyway, this Jude who had helped orchestrate the Franco Austrian alliance and her marriage. Um, and in exiling one of Marie Antoinette's ladies in waiting. So she did not like her. She was like, hmm. I don't like Austria. I don't like Marie. Oh, she was and anti-Austrian. She was anti-Austrian. And so she okay. was told um, that by her, hu- so her husband's aunts told her to refuse to acknowledge her. And so she did that, but then that was considered a blunder. So she had to fix that. And the way she fixed it was she went to a party. Her mother said, girl, fix it. And she was like, okay, fine. Um, she went to a party, went up to Dewberry and said, there are a lot of people at Versailles today, which was enough to calm it down. The second her father-in-law dies... So it, he died in 1774. They exiled her. <laughs> so Dewberry was exiled. <laughs> okay, like, so... Bitch, I don't du- actually like you. Okay, let me see if I understand it. So Dewberry was causing problems for the young Marie Antoinette. And... <clears throat> well, she for was just Austria. Like, I, for Austria. And then... But Marie's mother was like, okay, you got to figure out how to make this work. How to right. make the peace. Because the aunts said... Go tell her off. So she was like, okay. So she dissed, dissed her. Oh, and then, she told then, her off. And then, then her the people were like, like, how dare you? So her mother was like, wait, 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 wait. Pull back. Go be nice. So she said okay. that line, whoo, what a lot of people here at Versailles today. And that calmed things down. But then two years later, her father-in-law dies. And they're like, I'm just kidding. We don't like you. Goodbye. Yeah, Marie's like, bitch, I might have said I, I'm okay, mm-hmm. but we ain't cool. We're we ain't not, cool. We are not friends. No. Nope. Okay. We are not friends. Um, so then, so then his father is dead. He ascends the throne. And then Marie Antoinette is now the royal consort, which, as far as I can tell, based on what's happening in England now, that means that she's not queen. She is the consort, which is just like the king's wife. Huh. Because okay. I know that Camilla. Yeah, it's the consort. It's the consort. But Camilla is because I thought because they he's been married before and that's why I thought or like her 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 no, ranking. I, I think it's because if something happens to Philip, she doesn't become queen to take over. His son becomes king. Oh. So that's what see, I yeah. think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got um, you. So I think I think 
that means her power is limited. Was my yeah. guess. Well, one um, of our listeners, please enlighten any, us, dumb yeah, Americans, on please, how this works. We're not. Yeah. I mean, we both went to public school in yeah. America. In America. Mm. Yep. Although this is from Europe, so they love white people in Europe when they want to educate us. It's their favorite subject. <laughs> so they having a hundred year war, but yeah. Then there was like, well, that's a blip. Let's not talk about that ever again. Um, so, so this is happening. Uh, he gives his wife, um, so she doesn't have a lot of power and she's not trying to use it. He gives her, he gives Marie Antoinette a petite trionon, which is a small chateau and rumors start to go that she's like, renovating it with like gold and diamonds that she's just into excess uh it doesn't say if she's actually doing that to this but like i I, she likes she likes stuff so she did spend heavily on fashions and luxuries and gambling and the country at the time was facing a grave financial crisis and the population was suffering so some of the things that she did that were super awkward um a woman named rose Bertin. Burton, Burton, okay, fine. Um, Burton created dresses for her and hairstyles such as poofs. Remember those, like the three yeah. feet in the air? Um, that's what we associate, the look we associate with. Yeah, that's what Marie we think Antoinette. of her as, right? Um, yeah. And a panache, which is a spray of feather plumes. And they also adopted the English fashion of dresses made of Indian, which was a material banned in France from 1686 to 1759 to protect local French woolen and silk industries. So she was like, screw industry, I wanna look good. Um, By the time of the Flower War of 1775, a series of riots because the high price of flour and bread had damaged reputation among the general public. And then at at that point, her reputation kind of went to hell like they that they don't like her they don't like him they they're just pissed at at the royalty which seems fair i feel like that's yeah because it's like the majority of people are suffering can't probably find bread and then they hear about you know these excesses it's it's like when celebrities can't read the room and they post their bentley's and you know and it's like we're in a recession remember the imagine video that oh yeah 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 exactly yeah (laughs) i'm suffering in my mansion by my pool yeah i know me too me too that's relatable to all of us with the screaming children in the background okay um (laughs) that was my life back there's even worse because i was looking at this youtube series on uh like hygiene (laughs) oof The French, they made perfume for a reason. I'm yeah. just saying. Did they? Like so you can never, imagine they never no. bathed, right? No. They thought bathing was um, Europeans in general thought bathing was unhealthy. Oh, but it's not though. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a really good idea. Yeah, I feel like you should do it regularly. Yes, I beg you. Although I did have some nasty like pandemic quarantine days. Where maybe oh, three yeah. days had passed, right? That's because you're not going anywhere, though. But these yeah. motherfuckers were just putting on like perfume on top <laughs> of it and more cakey like makeup. <laughs> so They're like, ah, it'd be fine. Uh, um, okay, so amid the atmosphere of a wave of libel, libel, 
Okay, so it's a French word, libel, but I think libels, libel, um, which was like, um, draw, like dramatic, like the National Enquirer, essentially the National Enquirer, okay. right? Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so they were basically being like, she crazy. Uh, Holy Roman Empire Joseph II came to France. That is her brother. He came incognito. He used the name Comte de Falkenstein. I said Stein because I enjoy saying Stein. Feels like echt. Okay. For a six-week visit during which he toured Paris extensively and was a guest at Versailles. He met his sister and her husband on April 18th, 1777 at the Chateau de la Mouette. I was, that was wrong and spoke frankly to his brother-in-law, curious as to why the royal marriage had not been consummated. Cool. Oh. Cool. I have a husband, and I have a brother, and I never, ever, ever Ooh, no. want Ew. that to have any sort of... No. Nope. Okay. I, I can't even say the sentence, but you, you know where I'm going with that. Nope. Yep. Okay. So uh, he arrived at the conclusion that no obstacle to the couple's conjugal relations existed save the queen's lack of interest and the king's unwillingness to exert himself. In a letter to his brother Leopold, Grand Duke of Tuscany, Joseph II described them as a couple of complete blunderers. <laughs> oh, it sounds like they were very young. I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be surprised if she was like 14 or 15 and I, he was like 16 or 17. They're I mean, no, he's 22. When they got married. He's 22. Oh. It's, okay. It's awkward. Um, so he he disclosed to Leopold that uh, the inexperienced Louis XVI had confided in him the course of action he had been undertaking in their marital bed. He said, quote, Louis introduces the member and then, quote, stays there without moving for about two minutes and then withdraws oh without having completed the act and bids good night. How is this written down in history? We know Nobody this. Nobody taught this man how to have sex. That is so sad. It's kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, right? You sit them down. Also, there's like no instinct. I mean. Oh. Okay. Well, because I, I would imagine, though, if you've never seen the act, you're, you're like, yeah, it does seem weird. You're like, what? What does that and he's an inf he's been infantilized. Yeah, since that's childhood. I mean, he probably so he's used to people still... touching his body, probably without it oh, being that's true. a sexual thing. But I I thought boys go through a thing where they're horny all the time. So I'm just that's, so surprised that that's what I thought too. Um, yeah. and there there were thoughts that he might have had something called phimosis, uh, but uh, they they say no, he probably didn't. Uh, oh. Anyways, the intervention worked, and oh. she gets pregnant. Oh. Um. So your brother should never be your sex counselor is all I'm saying. Uh, I just, I'm not sure. Yeah, I no, I am sure that shouldn't happen. But I mean, it worked. What are you going to do? Although they're all incestual, like all the royals. Come on. Yeah, but the brother probably, I understand why the brother stepped in because he's like, no, nah, we married you off so we wouldn't be having problems with right. France. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to need you <laughs> to make sure <laughs> Louis is getting satisfied. <laughs> Honestly, Louis doesn't even have to like it. He just yeah. has to do it. Just has to do it. And girl, I'm not even going to talk to you about liking it. In fact, don't like it. Okay. And Louis probably was like, oh, this is what I've been doing wrong. Oh, this is great. 
And she's kind of like, oh, can I? Never mind. It's fine. Um, <laughs> whipping back then. Okay. So um, her daughter, Marie Therese Charlotte, was born at Versailles on December 19th, 1778. The child's paternity was contested in the Libelles, as were all her children. So she had to deal with that. There's a lot of like oh. contesting of... But uh, they were his. As far like they yeah. they they did try to like look things up, and they they yeah. confirmed that's his. Okay, so two events happened during her pregnancy that had a profound effect on her life. Her friend, the Swedish diplomat Count Axel von Versen, um, came back to Versailles for two years, and her brother's claim to the throne of Bavaria, contested by the Habsburg monarchy and Prussia. Um, so she pleaded with her husband for the French to intercede on the behalf of Austria. And the Peace of Teschen was signed May 13th, 1779. Um, this gained a territory for Austria of at least 100,000 inhabitants. So this gave the impression that the queen is just there to help her country. And that's true. So <laughs> that's. I well, mean, yeah, that's that's what marriage was all about back then yes. with royals. So, of course, the people were like, "I'm annoyed," and that 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 makes sense. And they took it out on her. On they it. did because nothing Louis' fault, of course. Well, no, he's the man. He's, he's a got a man. penis. He has a God-given right to rule them. Cool. Yes. Um, because of his penis, right? Because of his you penis. Said. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, that um, he doesn't so know how to use. Apparently, no. <laughs> Was going to waste for a while. All right. Um, so she began to institute changes in court customs. Uh, this pissed people off. She was abandoning the heavy makeup look and the popular wide-hooped panniers. She wanted a more feminine look. Um, and she... I love her for this. She opened a theater that she... For her to perform in, I would do that. I would do that. I mean, she is queen or consort, excuse me. <laughs> I'm not saying I would be right, but I'm saying I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. So the repayment of the French debt remained a problem. Um, and also exacerbated by her prodding Louis XVI to involve France in Great Britain's war with its North American colonies. That feel familiar? So, mm-hmm. do you know, this is interesting. She played an important role in aiding the American Revolution by securing Austrian and Russian support for France, which resulted in the establishment of the first League of Armed Neutrality that stopped Britain's attack and by weighing indecisively for the nomination of Philippe Henry uh, as Minister of War and Charles Eugène Gabriel as Secretary of the Navy in 1780, who helped George Washington defeat the British in the American Revolutionary War which ended in 1783. So we have her to thank for that. Uh, uh, yeah, I knew we had France to thank. But I didn't or... know it was her. Yeah, I didn't realize. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Uh, this pissed off the French, but you know. Yeah. I mean, monarchies will do that. Um, I mean, I understand the people, the regular people's like, who is this woman? I mean. You know, and it's also just easy to blame the woman for everything. It, yeah. Yeah, because I wonder she would still get some blame if she was also French. But the fact that her being a woman and an outsider. Oh, I mean, I mean, I I feel like she was an easy target. They kept mocking her like like 
the libels right they were they mm -hmm. kept questioning the paternity of her children like it was all yeah. about like let's demean her because of her sex yeah you know um so she played a decisive role in the nomination of charles alexander de cologne was a close friend of the polynax uh as controller uh, polygnac poly Pauline, i don't know um <laughs> as general as controller general of finances um and the Baron and of the Baron de Brutel as the minister of the royal household, making him perhaps the strongest and most conservative minister of the reign. The result was that her influence became paramount in the government, and they rejected any major change to the structure of the old regime. So um, more than that, they then required four quarterings of nobility as a condition for the appointment of officers, which meant commoners could no longer be officers. It meant you had to be like, they weren't classist enough. They oh. had to, they had to like double down. That's like, never a good idea. It's never a good idea. It's never bro. a good idea. As I wrote, she is making France great again. Okay. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 1781, October 22nd, she gives birth to Louis, her son. Um, and then her mother died. Uh, oh, okay. A year before her mother dies. And then she gives birth. Um, she was worried about her mother's death affecting the, the um, what is the word? Alliance between the two countries. Oh, okay. Because it but sounds like she, her mother was a strong influence. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um so they were very excited about the birth of an heir, but um, but it 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 helped Austria more than it helped France. She was able to obtain her brother's support. Um, wait, is that right? That doesn't make any sense. What happened? What, <laughs> what happened was like, yeah. No, you that's know, I right. find it interesting as you're talking about this, like as we're in the midst of the whole uh, Meghan Markle thing, and, yes. which is also uh, reminiscent of uh, Lady Di, Princess mm -hmm. Diana's issue, yeah. like how these women, if they're married into the royal family, any royal family, and she's considered, well, she's already a target. And I'm sure yes. that uh, even Kate, at first, they were calling her gypsies, like her family gypsies. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like, just and lower class. And you're just and, like, when they're well, like the richest people alive. Yeah. Like, it's like <laughs> Kate's family is rich. And like, but it's like they target the woman. It's so interesting. And obviously, with the Meghan Markle thing, then you add race onto it and then her yeah. Americanness onto it. Then it just really highlights it. But even, um, I think back to, uh, princess diana like how they hounded her like and it's yeah coming it's coming from the outside with the the newspapers but it's also coming from inside yes the They're, court they have they have people that's helping. the thing that yes yeah, stresses yeah. them out yeah and it's interesting because she is trying to hire more and more people on her own she's her to own yeah it. But that could be a protection as well. Because, oh, yeah. No, it definitely is. Like, she like, needs people on her side. Yeah. Um, or, she, you know, or she'd be in a lot of trouble, which she'll get into later. Don't you worry. Oh, yeah. Um, so in 1782, after the governess of the royal children, um, Princess Dick, I don't know, went bankrupt. She resigned. And she, Marie, appointed her favorite, the Duchess of De... Dutch Duchess de Polignac, Polignac. I'm just going to call her Polignac to the position. Okay. So the court disapproved this completely. 
except the king and the queen fully trusted her. They gave her a 13-room apartment in Versailles. They paid her well. The entire family got royal favors and titles and positions, um, and they were suddenly, like, wealthy. Um, and that absolutely pissed off everybody. Um, so we see where we're heading, right? Um, yeah. So Count Axel von Fersen, after his return from America, June 1783, which was the end of the American Revolution, uh, and he came back and was accepted to the Queen's private society. So there were claims that the two were romantically involved. Um, most of their correspondence had been lost, destroyed, or redacted. Um, but then in 2016, the Telegraph's Henry Samuel announced that researchers at France's Research Center for the Conservation Conservation of Collections quote, using cutting edge x-ray and different infrared scanners had deciphered letters that proved the affair. So we found out in 2016 oh. that yes, in fact, they had an affair. So pamphlets describing farcical sexual deviance, including the queen and her friends, were growing in popularity all around the country. I mean, she's popular, but like in a not oh, great but way. But they're spreading like, oh, she's whoring yes. it out. In yeah. Versailles. Yeah. Because she's a woman and what better way to destroy Women, a yeah. woman's Yeah. God forbid she enjoys sex. God um, forbid. That's for a man to enjoy. Duh. I'm a man. <laughs> How dare you enjoy your own body? Ew. <laughs> Stop it. Don't even look at it. Just Don't stand there. <laughs> Um, so the attacks were increasing and they connected with the public's dislike of her association uh, with the what? The rival nation of Aust the rival nation of Austria, um, because the Portefeuille d'une Talon Rouge was one of the earliest pamphlets and it <laughs> it included the queen in a variety of. Uh, decrying the immoral practices of the court. They described amorous encounters with a wide range of figures um, from the Duchess de la Ponec to Louis the, the 15th, like to uh, the, her father-in-law. Ew. Oh. So women, her father-in-law, um, they suggested she was a lesbian, which was known as the German vice. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Tell you white on white crime. I'm right? just telling you. You know what? And that's what we need to focus on. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, the Germans are like, now why are we in it? <laughs> <laughs> Leave me out of this. Thank you. We are busy murdering our own people. Thank you. Um <laughs> So many white enemies, so little time. <laughs> um, so then she created a Hamlet. I'm not going to go into it, but she's like designing shit with lots of money. Um, she accumulated a library with over 50,000 books. Meanwhile, people are hungry. She's sponsoring the arts. She did a whole thing with, um, what's his name? Mozart. That's him. Yeah, I'm like, I wrote it down. Mozart, I told you. Because even though I printed this, I still wrote a bunch of stuff. Um, and then, okay. So there was a whole... So she, I just want to say, she did not listen to her mother because her mother would no. have been like, you got to appeal to the the, the small yes. people. 
Like Meanwhile, that was her big mistake. She wanted to own her own property because, you know, a give it to her. She wanted to be able to pass it down to her children. And she's right. a woman who wanted property. And she's like, listen, who else in this world is going to be a woman with property? I might have the chance. Right. Um, but the thing is, the people are hungry and she's purchasing property. And it's like yeah. big prop. It's not like it's not like a cute house we can't afford in California. You know what I'm saying? But she can't. You know, it's just, you know, the tiny little house worth 18 million dollars. California. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. Um, but she, do- she doesn't understand the importance of optics. Exactly. In the, you know, and yeah, so the hearts she, and minds she, of people. She did it. She purchased the property, but like optics. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So she. um what am I Cause saying? It's, so, because it sounds yeah. like if she if she had like created like a library or like an institution for the poor, in addition to doing all this she, other stuff, yeah, yeah, and she coulda, well, she, she coulda. didn't, but she but did she not didn't. like people that were not her class. She was uncomfortable. Also, oh, she's a snob on I top mean, of it. Think yeah. about it. She appointed yeah. people who wanted to make France great again. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's not just elitist. It's like the elitist of the elitist. Like you can't. And you you don't think that the the peasants have any say so anyway, or no. w- will ever have any say so. They weren't born to be as intelligent as right. the upper class. Right. Obviously. Obviously. So yeah. the affair of the diamond necklace. So what happened was there was a false accusation that she had participated in a crime to defraud the crown's jewelers in a crime in acquiring a very expensive diamond necklace and then refused to pay for it. So she didn't do that. The reality is um, she rejected the idea of buying it. She did not want to buy it, but her signature was forged by someone named Jean de Voila Saint Marie. And he was later, con- she, she was later convicted, but that led to the France dissolution of the monarchy. Like, even though she didn't do it, they were mm. like, now you're like, bitch, you're stealing. Um, and it gave moral weight and popular support for the French Revolution. I mean, it's more complex. Y'all Google it. Yeah, yeah, but like, that's know. essentially yeah, yeah, what yeah, happened. Yeah. Um, the king was depressed, asked his wife for help because there were no therapists at the time, right? Of course not. Um, so... The, uh, she, she got, she was like, don't worry, I'll take care of it. So she got increased political power. Um, she then, okay. So finances were getting desperate. It forced the king and the queen and the minister of finance, Cologne, uh, to call a session of the assembly of notables after a hiatus of 160 years. The assembly was held for the purpose of initiating necessary financial reforms. But the parliament refused to cooperate. The first meeting took place on February 22nd, 1787, nine days after Virgin, who was in charge, died. Um, she didn't attend the meeting and her absence resulted in accusations that the queen was trying to undermine its purpose. So these mm. optics are destroying her. Yeah. I'm not sure why she didn't go. I don't, I didn't get that, but she did not go. Yeah, so, bad you move. know. There were a large, you know, their financial problems. There were several expensive wars. The royal family spent way too much money. And most of the privileged classes did not. Y'all, they don't want to pay taxes. They won't mm, pay taxes. Don't there it is. Mm-hmm. I'll say it. Yeah. So all the burden goes on the poor. Yeah. Suck it. You watch yep. History of the World Part 1. 
Do you ever see that? No. Mel Mel Brooks, the movie. Oh, I have seen that. Okay, girl. Fuck the poor. It's actually Marie Antoinette. And that's essentially fuck the poor. Um, Her nickname was Madame Deficit. Deficit. Oh, yeah. I I understood that part. Uh Um, So the queen attempted to fight back these bad optics with propaganda portraying her as a caring mother, most notably in the painting by Elizabeth Vigée Lebrun. Everyone has 19 names. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the French exhibit. and the Spanish love multiple I mean, my names. My God, just keep it coming, keep it coming. Yeah. And with accents, I cannot do, I mean, I can, but like <laughs> not well. Okay. Um, and it was exhibited at the Royal Académie Salon de Paris in August 1787, showing her with her children. Listen, I know a lot of good moms that spend too much money. So, like, if you think being a good mom is going to stop people from thinking you spend money. Also, no. this sounds like it's a little bit too little too late. Oh, like she should have started this campaign. Like, thousand yeah. percent. Yeah. She's not politically savvy at all when it came to the people. No, she really like she just made bad move after bad move. Um so she was instrumental in reinstating Jacques Necker as finance minister. So she's trying August 1788, which was a popular move because what he did, um, he proposed to double the representation of the third estate, which was there to check the power of the aristocracy. Mm, so okay. she was like, oh, OK, that's fine. Um, but then the fracture between the Democratic third estate and the conservative nobility of the second estate widened a year later. Um, so, and Marie Antoinette knew that her rival, so her rival at this time, Duke d'Orleans, gave money and bread to the people during the winter, and mm-hmm. that made her look like an asshole. Mm-hmm. So, because he knew how to, he knew about optics. Yeah. He sure did. So her son tragically dies on June 4th, but the people did not care because they were hungry. Um, And then the third estate declared itself a national assembly. And so it took the tennis court oath, which is so the door to its appointed meeting place, the third they were supposed to check the royalty uh, had been closed because the king said to lock the door. So they met on the tennis court. Um. And the agreement was to not separate before it had given a constitution to the nation. And as people either spread or believed rumors, what? Or spread or believed rumors that the queen wished to bathe in their blood, Marie Antoinette went into mourning for her child. Um, So Necker was then dismissed. And then Paris was besieged by riots, culminating in the storming of the Bastille on July 14th, which is also the day Sal proposed to me. Very important day. Yes. Okay. Um, so in the days that followed the storming of the Bastille for fear of assassination and ordered by the king, the emigration of members of the high aristocracy began on July 17th. Uh, lots of people left, cousins, Paul Ignax, Marie Antoinette. Um, uh, so they started getting out of Dodge. They, they started were getting like, out of Dodge. Peace out. Mm-mm. So she actually stayed with the king because his power is being gradually taken away and she wouldn't, she wouldn't leave. Um, she, for whatever reason, she didn't want 
to leave his side. Maybe she loved him. I don't know. Sounds like it. I actually. mean, it does kind of. So, it sounds like they became adults together. So. Yeah. Yeah. I want like you can't really I can't really parse that out. Like, I bet you there's more information yeah, than what you tell me. But it gets, I mean, there's so much information, you guys. This is like 97 yeah. pages. Um, the abolition of feudal privileges. You heard what mm. I said, right? By the National Constitute, Constituent Assembly on August 4th, 1789. And the Declarations of the Rights of Man and of Citizens, drafted by Lafayette. Lafayette. You know that guy. Uh with help of Thomas Jefferson. Hmm. And adopted on August twenty sixth, paved the way to a constitutional monarchy. Which lasted essentially a year. Cool. Despite these dramatic changes, the life at life at the court continued while the situation in Paris was becoming critical because still no bread. Okay. No bread. They hungry. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, October 5th, a crowd from Paris descended upon Versailles and forced the Royal family to move to the Tuileries palace in Paris. They're just going from palace to palace. They're wow. just, you know, hop on the palace train. She tried to continue to do charitable functions and attend religious ceremonies. Um, but you know, too little, too late. She too was taking, too late. she's taking care of her kids. She actually had four, she had a lot of children. She had four adopted children as well. One of those adopted children was a Senegalese slave. Give her this credit. She freed him. Well, this is how they freed. She freed him. She baptized him and adopted him. Oh God. So I don't know if that's a freed good thing. him, baptized him. It's like, yeah, how was he? In, how was he enslaved to, to begin with? You don't get credit <laughs> for for freeing somebody. Thank, thanks for freeing this one human, baptizing him to force your religion on him, and then keeping him for yourself. Was he enslaved by France? And then she's like, oh, in in, in Senegal, and then she's like, oh, I freed him and, and I baptized freed him. him. I'm basically a saint. Yes. Cool. I freed him, and then I civilized him, and then I adopted him. <laughs> That's right. She's That's, just clueless. She is clueless. I mean, man. Okay, so here's what happened. Okay. Marie Antoinette, in that period, established uh, an alliance with this guy who was the Comte de Mirabeau. Mirabeau. We're going to call him Mirabeau. Okay. That's wrong. That's not pronounced correctly, <laughs> but it is what it is. He was the most important lawmaker in the assembly. He wanted to reconcile the queen with the people. So she was like, cool. And he was like, I'll restore some of the king's powers. And she was like, great. So over the objections of Lafayette and his allies, because Lafayette, like we knew where he stood because of Hamilton. Thank you, Hamilton. <laughs> the king was given a suspensive veto, allowing him to, vetoes, to veto any laws over a four-year period. So like now... That's why a constitutional monarchy doesn't work if the king can veto anything he wants. Yeah, to. that doesn't. That's not the same thing. It's um, an oxymoron. Exactly. So what happened is. So what happened was this. It was they were both Roman Catholic. Her political ideas and her belief in the absolute power of monarchs were based on the divine right of kings, as we talked about. There was a day the family Easter. The family was preparing to leave for. St. Cloud to attend Easter Mass and uh, by okay so there was 
a crowd showed up, disobeyed Lafayette's orders because he told them not to, and prevented their departure from Paris. So that incident, so they were trying to go to mass, they were trying and a crowd showed up to stop them. So this incident fortified her in her determination to leave Paris for personal and political reasons, not alone, but with her family. So there were several plots designed to help the royal family escape. So they were there, but under duress. They weren't allowed to leave. And so she was just like, you know what? I can't even go to mass. Fuck this. So what happened was she... She wanted to go, so many plots, but King Louis was like, I don't like any of them. And she would not leave without him. So when they finally committed to a plan, its poor execution was the cause of its failure. It was known as the flight to Varennes to reach the royalist stronghold of Montmédée. And after many delays, the escape was ultimately attempted June 21st, 1791. The entire family was arrested less than 24 hours later and taken back to Paris within a week. They went the rest, um, so that I mean, there went. The so, rest did they make it to the stronghold? I'm sorry, they I didn't. That. No, they okay. didn't. So, because it sounds like this is privileged people coming up with a plan. Yes, that and they've never had to plan things to before. think and plan anything before. Yeah, yeah. they are not clever. Right. Like, I mean, they really aren't. It's really interesting. It's a lot of just like bad ideas, and there was no like because there's this whole divine right thing, there's no like advisor that they would really listen to, right? Like, yeah, because I'm sure there were people with common sense who were like, you gotta listen to me. And they're like, nope, (laughs) I'm divine. I've been given the divinity because I am royal and I know best. That's exactly what happened. So... Upon learning of what happened, the National Constituent Assembly sent three representatives to escort them back to Paris. On the way back, they were jeered and insulted by the people. Uh, and and she was like, what? What? Me? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, were, they were not brought to trial and they were publicly exonerated of any crime in relation to the attempted escape. After they returned from they they kind of got there and then returned basically so they got there but they immediately returned um then they were held under tight surveillance so a lot happens there's this thing La- lafayette opens fire on the people demanding to sign a petition to depose the king so there's a riot outside and um he decides to open fire this fucked them up the queen is now the enemy I mean, the the truth is she did, in fact, pass secrets on to Austria, but that that was the accusation, and she did do that. Mm. Um, So, and also, like, at this time, the king is continuing to veto measures. So what happened was she, uh, there was this thing called the Girardons. I said that, like, in Israeli. Girardons. So... There's a radical majority, the Girardons. So what happened was they were trying to change things. She refused to collaborate them, and then they, which led them to denounce the treason, the treason of the Austrian Comity, a direct allusion to the Queen. So after Madame Roland sent a letter to the King denouncing the Queen's role in these matters, urged by the Queen 
Louis XVI disbanded the government, thus losing his majority in the assembly. Okay, so there's a lot happening. It's exhausting. Yeah. On June 20th, 1792, I'm skipping a lot of things. A lot of okay, things happened. Yeah. Um, a mob of terrifying aspect broke into the Tuileries and made the king wear a bonnet rouge, which was like a red Purin cap, to show his loyalty to the Republic, insulted Marie Antoinette, accusing her of betraying France. Because what I said back there, she was basically working for Austria, and they were just yeah. like, we are done. Um, in consequence, the queen asked Fersen to urge the foreign powers to carry out their plans to invade France and to issue, issue a manifesto in which they threaten to destroy Paris if anything happened to the royal family. That didn't help anything. So the Brunswick Manifesto, issued the 25th of July, 1792, triggered the events of August 10th when the approach of an armed mob on its way to the Tuileries Palace forced the royal family to seek refuge at the Legislative Assembly. 90 minutes later, the palace was invaded by the mob who massacred the Swiss guards. Whew. August 13th, the royal family was imprisoned in the Tower of the Temple in Marais under conditions considerably harsher than those of their previous confinement in Tuileries. So maybe she shouldn't have done that. No. Yeah. So a week later, several of the royal family's attendants along... Um, uh, one of them was a princess de Limbal, were taken for interrogation by the Paris Communum, transferred to the La Force prison after a rapid judgment. Marie-Louis de Limbal was savagely killed. Her head was affixed on a pike. I think Oof. she, yeah, and was paraded through the city to the temple for the queen to see. Damn. Um... The, the guards around, around her, man. Yeah, they are. They're like, "Fuck you." Okay. On September twenty first, seventeen ninety two, the fall of the monarchy was officially declared, and the National Convention became the governing body of the French Republic. The royal family name was downgraded to the non-royal Capets, and preparation for the trial of the king in a court of law. Charged with treason against the first French First Republic, Louis XVI was separated from his family and tried in December. He was found guilty by the convention and, as we all know, condemned to death. January 21st, 1793. The queen, now called Widow Capet, plunged into deep mourning. She still hoped her son would one day rule France. This amazes me. She's like... It doesn't. Disillusion. I mean, but will my son one day rule France, girl? Because keep in mind, she's, you know, she's part of like the institution that believes that we're better yeah. and has had evidence that they're better by living in these palaces, by marrying each other and living in other palaces. And like, you know, it's the delusion is deep. Like It is so it is so just when I read that, I was like, what? Okay, yeah. so he's dead. They're like, what do we do with her? Some advocated for her death. Some said, let's exchange her for French prisoners of war or something. Um, Thomas Paine said, send her to America. She might do well, right? Um, then they called for her trial. So by the end of May, uh, there was, this is kind of sad. This is 1793? Yes. 
Okay. Calls were made to retrain the, her eight-year-old son to make him uh, pliant to revolutionary ideas. So they separated him from his mother on July 3rd. Um, and so he was handed over to a man named Antoine Simon. Um, and until her removal from the temple, Marie spent hours trying to catch a glimpse of her son, who within weeks turned against her. He's eight years old. I mean, he's eight. So, but it, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, did he turn against her? Or was he eight years old? Yeah. Living he's, in he's chaos. Eight. Yeah. Um, so she was trialed by the Revolutionary Tribunal, October 14th, 1793. So she and her lawyers were given less than a day to prepare for her defense. They were going to charge her. Like they were, what an unfair trial. Who? Um, it's just performative at that point. It's just performative. October 16th, she was declared guilty of the three main charges against her. Um, so at worst, I'm not, you know what they are. They thought life imprisonment. They thought that's the worst. She's a woman. It's fine. Um, but no, they condemned her to death. Like she was shocked. Yeah. She, I mean, she thought her son was going to take the threat. Oh, so they didn't, they didn't chop off her head. That sounds so crass. Forgive me. They no. didn't send her to the guillotine. She was shot. No. Oh, they chopped off her head. I just said shot, but they chopped oh. off her head. Yeah, you're right. So I meant like emotionally shoot her down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they shot her damn. down. You know. Okay. The French Revolution. Damn, that's gangster. She was guillotined at 12:15 p.m. October 16th, 1793. Her last words are recorded as. Pardonnez-moi, monsieur. Je ne l'ai pas fait. Mm, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> you can je do it. Je ne l'ai pas. Okay. Je... Pardonnez-moi, monsieur. Je ne l'ai pas fait exprès. Okay. I think that was bad, but I don't even know. Okay. Uh, excuse said... me, sir. Uh huh. I don't know the uh, latter. No, part. you don't. Uh, I didn't either, honestly. Uh, she said, "Pardon me, sir. I did not do it on purpose because she accidentally stepped on her executioner's shoe." And those are her last words. Uh, her body wow. was thrown into an unmarked grave. Damn. Yeah. I mean, the her and her and Louis's bodies were later exhumed and given a proper burial. But like 18 years later. Well, Those French people are like, fuck the monarchy. Fuck they, every last they, one of y'all. She, I mean, what's interesting about her story is that it's just it keeps elevating, right? So it's like she puts jewels in a special room and they're like, I'm starting to get hungry. And she's like, cool, I'm going to make everyone wear expensive wigs. And they're like, nah, my stomach is super growling. And she's like, mm-hmm. cool, I'm going to buy a house. And they're like, I haven't eaten in three days. You know what I mean? Like, it's like escalating. It's what happens when you turn away from people suffering who you are. Yes. Are you are by every account in charge of providing for yes right? you are you really so like, like it's one thing for you know different countries to do it but you are the head of this country and the people are getting hungry and hungry and more desperate and more desperate like i think it's really know? interesting like we we talk about like in our politics in america which is messy very very messy right but when you don't when someone who's voted in, who's making these choices, we we always go back to you work for me. And it's yeah. hard to get that. I think like psychologically, we've had 
you know, there have been kings and queens forever. And you, you still have to remind yourself that's not actually how this is anymore. You're not ordained by any. You're not ordained by yeah. shit. You know, she also didn't play like she just didn't be, maybe because she came from uh, aristocracy, but she just didn't understand how to play. Uh, I'll go back to Princess Diana. You know, a lot of yeah. people, um, you know, she was obviously made very miserable. And now we kind of understand the context of what was going on inside the palace yes. with her, you know. Yes. But also what Princess Diana did do was that she she got the people on her side. She actually did the complete opposite opposite of, of what, what marie, antoinette, marie antoinette, did. antoinette did yeah i mean she was yeah. pissed at the guy for giving them bread like yeah. she was pissed at that that yeah. makes and me I, look and, bad and that's why princess diana is so beloved even by americans who remember yeah. her that she also remember when she started doing humanitarian work and she was oh, one yeah. of the first people especially high profile people who would touch children who were hiv positive yes. at a time where people didn't want to touch hiv positive mm -hmm. people even children babies and I mean, she changed the world. You, yeah, you could say, I oh, think. it's performative. And I, it, I, I don't know how much of it was, you know, intentional. But what I know is that she did it. And so yeah. to me on the outside is like, oh, so when she died, we were all like, oh, my God, like a good person died. Whereas Marie yes. Antoinette it seems to be looking away from it, looking away from yeah. the suffering. And I and I truly think that, it, you know, to some degree, sh they were all raised to care only yeah. about themselves right. like there was no and their power and yeah. their power play and what's yeah. the right thing there was but they no... weren't good at it because no, even if they, they had bad. just worked with the new with the new government like with lafayette and the, like if they had worked with the people and been like okay why well, have veto power for two things or you know to right. work I, with I the have people. a lot of veto power let me not abuse it yeah let me show them optics that yeah. i'm for them they can yeah. eat let's say every day right yeah. i'll allow that and then yeah. they'd be like "Ooh, i'm not hungry all the or time or to show people like like oh we close one of the palaces down right because in a person's mind it may not they may not be affected directly from that closure but they're like oh they at least care about me Yep. Like my king and queen care about the fact that we're suffering. Yep. And if they don't, there's no, I mean, there's no, there's no going back. Like yeah. the more and you then, prove it. Yeah. And then they found out that she was, she was conspiring with Austria. She was no. in fact conspiring with Austria. <laughs> I, was like, no, I was like, oh girl. girl. You're, yeah. You're. Um, also, she never ever said, let them eat cake. That yeah. was written down by some other Princess, I don't know, look it up. But she never said that. Then, and the uh, the quote is actually "Let them eat brioche," which is also delicious. Just yeah, which is also delicious. Sorry. It's just, but you know, it's the sentiment behind it. I can see it. It's just like ain't but I a woman? Essentially said, yeah. "Let them eat cake." She uh, with her actions. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Wow, Marie Antoinette. I didn't understand the whole political stuff. So thank you for enlightening me on that. Obviously, I've heard of her and I watched The Great or whatever, or not right. The Great. What's the, the one? The Great is the Russian one, which is I the Russian also one. What's the thoroughly one? Thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, it's really the, good. The I've watched Marie Antoinette stories before, and so I um, didn't realize that she played with politics the way she. Yeah, did. I didn't that either. Was, yeah, that's very interesting. Like. Uh, but it also goes to show you that even when you're privileged, like it's really important to teach your kids sur survival skills because it sounds like her mother had survival skills. 
Yes. Her but mother she didn't had have. My guess is that she wasn't she wasn't dumb, but she wasn't smart. Yeah. You common know what I mean? Sense. She had common sense, practical. She, sense. she didn't have common sense and she was somewhat swayed when she was younger. She yeah. kind of did what people told her to do a little. And then when she was getting more power, she just really liked it. And so I think it also, this is what happens when you get power, but you don't earn power. Yeah. Because if you don't earn it, you don't know how to preserve it. Right. That's very true. That's very true. So it's like wealth, right? Like if you're given wealth, <laughs> you don't like, unless you've been poor your whole life and then you win the lottery and it's like, you know, but some of those people falter yeah. too. Like, no, they they say that people who win the lottery, like ninety five percent of them, go back to the way they were. Yeah, because... and then and then there's that person who's like, I'm gonna buy a forty million dollar plane and get on cocaine and crack, and it's like, no, that's not a good idea. All right, well, there goes your winnings. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Thank you, you though. Yeah. You're welcome. For... This was... Marie Antoinette. Oh wow. Well, that was a long one, but it's yeah, a good it was. one. <laughs> Um, well, that wraps it up for another episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Guys, thank you for following us. And Miriam, do you want to tell them where they can find us? I do. On IG and... We, we are on Instagram, which is Notorious Women Podcast on Instagram. And then we have, if you want to um, email us, we are, and please email us. And if you have ideas or thoughts or suggestions, or you know about something, we will bring it up again and talk about it. Our Gmail is notorioushwmpod at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, that's where you can find us. And also, please, please, please tell everyone you know about our podcast. Also, give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars. Five, five stars. And if you want to write a little blurb, about how pretty we are. I yes. know you can't see us, but like I know you can feel the beauty through your car stereo. Miriam, I don't know about you, but I want to be called smart. Smart. Who? But we're girls. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Ew. Look exactly. I know. The boys might hear you. The boys <gasps> might hear that I'm smart. <laughs> Never get a man. We are funny. We are smart. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. And guys, that wraps it up for another episode. And we will see you next week. Yes, indeed. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.